good day, everybody. Welcome to Mining Stock Daily and our Friday in-depth interview. This is Trevor Hall. Hope everybody had a great week and uh, looking forward to the weekend. Today, we welcome Rob McLeod, who's uh, taking a new CEO position with Heatherdale Resources. So we talk a lot about Heatherdale and then another some key topics that we talk about uh, management being aligned with shareholders and also um, how to create more inclusion uh, and diversity within mining and mineral exploration as well. It's just a great conversation with Rob. I always appreciate the time uh, Rob gives me and the show. Uh, so that actually runs about 35 minutes long. So great discussion. Before we get started, do want to thank all of our sponsors, Western Copper and Gold, Integra Resources, Rio2, and Corvus Gold. Thank you so much for your continued support of Mining Stock Daily. We also have another list of corporate sponsors that help support the website. You can go to miningstockdaily.com to take a, li- take a look at the list of those. Uh, we also have a great events calendar, so if you're looking for digital events or online events to part, uh, listen in, partake in, uh, you can go to the events calendar, which is found on the website as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. This will be the in-depth interview for today and throughout the weekend. Uh, just a quick note, the last week of June into the 4th of July, I am going to take the week off and uh, spend some time with the kids, my wife, and uh, looking forward to spend some also spending some time with my little brother and his family. So uh, we will most likely not be airing any content that week and uh, taking a vacation, I suppose you can call it. So that's it for me. Have yourself a great week. And here's Rob McLeod from Heatherdale Resources. Be well, my friends. Welcome into Mining Stock Daily. Trevor Hall here. Uh, happy to be welcomed by Rob McLeod. He uh, wears many hats in this industry, and uh, he's been uh, uh, a good person to follow and get to know with my uh, short involvement with junior mining. And I don't get to chat with him far often enough because he's often busy uh, doing something with many other companies and organizations he's involved with. But uh, Mr. Rob McLeod, thank you for joining us here on Mining Stock Daily. Uh, hello, Trevor. Uh, thanks for having me on. And I'm always really busy with my dogs and kids as well, too. So, <laughs> Yes, you have some beautiful dogs and also beautiful children. So you yeah, are busy. The, the dogs are prettier than the kids. So that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> can't can't wait to sh- to air this for them here in ten years when they're really upset with you. Probably not following <laughs> you right now, Trevor. <laughs> no, probably not. Hey, Rob, uh, I-, I wanted to have you on here uh, for a couple different reasons, but uh, first, let's get down to business. You're taking a new CEO position. Uh, this is uh, your first CEO position since. Uh, uh, leave uh, since the IDM acquisition up in the Golden Triangle, um, you know you took some time off, but you weren't obviously not you know you know relaxing or anything. You were you were taking a couple directorships with some companies, uh, but now you're working with Heatherdale Heatherdale Resources. Uh, just kind of curious, give us your thoughts why you uh, you know thought this was a great opportunity for you to take on this position and what exactly Heatherdale has. 
to, to offer investors? Yeah, well, it's kind of a, a bit of an insight into uh, uh, how um, junior companies can start or, or restart. Um, uh, I've actually been working on this transaction for uh, for about a year. It was about a year ago I, I, I did the site visit uh, out to the Niblack on Prince of Wales Island, southeast Alaska. And, uh, you know, uh, several of us, including, you know, some of my uh, uh, old IDM mining colleagues, you know, we had a, a vision for what a new company could look like. And, and certainly, you know, we take all of this experience um, that we gain doing things right, things that we could have done differently, and you, you want to apply it to the next thing you do in, in, in this business. And so, uh, you know, we, we liked the Niblack asset. Um, uh, Heatherdale at the time had been dormant for uh, years and years. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, got off a balance sheet with uh, significant um, related party payables. And what actually what has taken uh, a while to, to get through was we said, okay, you know, what we, we can do is why, why don't we take on that debt and we can convert it. Uh, shares and it gave us a pretty position within the company and uh, gives us a, a, a vehicle to uh, to execute uh, our vision. So, um, you know, we acquired 4.4 million worth of related party debt. Uh, we converted over a substantial portion of it uh, into escrowed shares. And um, uh, we've, you know, been working with Heatherdale Management in terms of there's a five to one rollback that was done last fall. And uh, we, now we have a, a vehicle and an tr- absolutely tremendous copper gold asset uh, that uh, can be will be the cornerstone piece to uh, to to our vision for this company. And um, uh, and I've worked a lot in Alaska as well too, so it was great to 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 get back to the state. Yeah, it's not uh, it's it's not terribly far away from where you were with IDM. Is oh it? yeah, it, it's uh, like a. 40 minute float plane ride from my hometown of Stewart. So you're just, uh, you're just in a whole other country. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what is it about this asset? You said it's a copper, copper gold deposit in Alaska. Um, I mean, even though it is, uh, not too far away, you are crossing a border here in the United States. Things get a little bit, I mean, it does come with some challenges, obviously. Um, you know, working in BC also has its challenges. Uh, but you know, what is it about this asset and going into Alaska that, um, you know, if you, geologically, that uh, really excites you. Uh, so, um, you know, I'm uh, I love working in Alaska. It, you know, tremendous frontier spirit in uh, in the state. You know, um, uh, I was uh, VP exploration for a company called Full Metal Minerals. You know, in the the two thousands, and we were really successful in uh, in terms of generating exploration and uh, and bringing lots of joint venture partners. And so I'm really com- uh, comfortable working with, with uh, within the state. Tremendous technical teams there. Uh, settled land claims is uh, is a real big plus, and proactive Alaska Native corporations. But primarily, it's it, it's the asset. So it's a it's a uh, polymetallic uh, deposit, primarily uh, copper and uh, and gold, uh, with, uh, with with significant resources. Um, at a, a $50 NSR cutoff, there's 5.6 million tons at a little under a percent copper, uh, 1.7 grams of gold, 1.7% zinc, and about an ounce of silver. And then there's uh, another 3.4 uh, million tons of inferred resources 
at uh, a similar grade. But there's also a real high-grade core of uh, over a million tons of pretty close to 2% copper and over 3 grams gold, almost 4% zinc. So real nice starter area. But what I really like is the exploration potential. So, you know, Heatherdale uh, acquired Niblack from um, uh, a couple of other companies that were, you know, really active with the project and made several of these discoveries 10 years ago. Uh, subsequent to that, some really solid geological work was done and showing that the ore bodies are folded and then they're folded again. The refolded folds are called. And this is common in, you know, VMS belts like Flon and such. And we can really see how there's so many of these different prospects are open. The existing resources are open. There's a substantial amount of work. There's like a, a full, uh, fully permitted underground production size decline there. And there's a five kilometer long trend, uh, you know, with uh, uh, some excellent prospects that haven't been, in some cases, drilled in, in 20 years. Like, for example, there's one zone called the Damazone. There's sitting out here by itself, there's an over uh, 20 meter thick intercept that's over 6% copper. And um, uh, that's an obvious target to go and fall flop. Yeah. Yes, real, real nice grade. They, you just, just spit it off. I mean that that is that is exciting, you know. But what it, what it, you know, other than that, I mean, what are the challenges here? I mean, what what's going to be some of the most difficulties you're going to face here? Well, right away? So so here's uh, you know, actually one of the reasons why there hasn't been a lot of follow up here is um, uh, uh, actually that that discovery hole was drilled by lack minerals way back in the early nineties. And during the Clinton administration, um, uh, some, uh, there was an act of legislation that was brought in called the Roadless Alaska Rule. And that made it really challenging even to cut diamond drill pads on um, Forest Service land in Alaska. And so that was, by the current administration, recently rescinded. And so there's some areas where previously you couldn't get to. Uh, to uh, to drill within the mineral tank. Um, uh, now uh, we we can get to and test. And so I just kind of outlined what one of the challenges is: permitting, unquestionable. You know, it's um, Southeast Alaska uh, has a lot of real pro development. You know, people that really respect the lands, but there's also quite a few people that honestly, you know, aren't big fans of mining. You know, you've seen a project like Kensington was a ten year battle get permitted. Now, taking what we've learned recently, you know, if there's anything we did well with IDM, it was community and indigenous relations and being able to connect and, and engage and consult with, uh, with, with locals, particularly indigenous people. So we'll be taking those skills that we learned and, and uh, you know, try to uh, get through um, uh, what will be a permitting process project. Let me ask you about structure, corporate structure. How many shares are outstanding? Um, you know, how much cash in the bank? That type of thing. Will you be going into the market for a financing this year? Uh, you know, what do you need? Uh, we we absolutely will be going to there uh, to uh, the market. Um, there are currently seventy four million shares outstanding. Over half is uh, was part of the the shares outstanding were uh, this recent debt purchase and uh, convert. So I am personally now the, the new largest shareholder of the company. 
but there are also, you know, some existing great shareholders as a Chinese group called Sino Capital owns over 8%. Um, uh, another Hunter Dickinson group company called Roth Downey Resources owns about 5%. Uh, they're likely open to a cross. Um, and we will be uh, going to the market at some stage over uh, over the next couple of months to uh, finance an exploration program out here at Niblack. But as well as we are looking at uh, uh, some other corporate development opportunities where uh, part of a future financing could go to an additional acquisition or two. So you you are the you're the single largest shareholder of the company That's now. Okay, and and how many shares do you own out of the the what did you say seventy million? Yeah, I million? own uh, in a percentage basis right now eleven point four percent, and uh, I certainly have lots of powder powder dry to uh, uh, participate in the upcoming uh, financing. Okay, so how how much of that eleven percent? When did you purchase that, and what's your 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 base cost right now for the share? So uh, I purchased that as part of that uh, uh, related party debt agreement. So for that debt, we bought it for uh, about 11.4 cents on uh, on the dollar. There will be some um, people, uh, technical people that will be joining uh, Heatherdale in the near future also bought some of that. And uh, it's subject to a two-year plus uh, four-month uh, escrow provision. What are some things that maybe some mistakes you've had along the way t- to hear that you th- now with Heatherdale or, you know, note maybe to improve on or, or do things better? Oh, there's, uh, man, uh, I could go on and all, all, all day on, on how to do things. <laughs> it's, um, uh, it's share structure and keeping, uh, uh, a handle on it. Um, Avoiding the use of warrants and financings, you know, honestly, to there obviously there's there's all sorts of exceptions, but warrants can really cap your share price. You know, it's I know as an investor sometimes I'm like, well, I'll take the stock or I'll do this PP. I'm not a huge believer in it. You know, maybe I'll just uh, sell out all the stock and and play the warrant for free. So um, uh, it is my uh, intention and you never make promises because sometimes you just have to is to uh, finance without without warrants. Um, alignment between management and board is so important. You know, often you can get you know, and it's everybody's well intended, but and you know, I, I see it probably you know honestly in three quarters of junior companies out there where there are degrees of misalignment between boards of directors and and management. Management always has to wear whatever's happening with the company, but it's pretty interesting to see, you know, where, where, you know, I'll get a colleague, including with some, you know, bigger companies and junior producers where, uh, the, the board is telling management to do one thing. And even though the shareholders are saying something different or the management police and something different. So, you know, with, with, um, we'll be calling an AGM. Um, and at the time there's two, you know, great directors right now with Heatherdale, uh, but uh, uh, independence, but we will be bringing in a new slate of um, of independent directors. And um, uh, another key lesson too is often you can have really great directors, but they're so busy with their day jobs is that they often don't have the time to review materials. Having you know at least one or two professional directors, you know those uh, individuals that may be retired, 
um, that uh, that really have the time to, uh, to to focus on the company. And certainly in terms of things doing well, you know, I'm a big advocate for, for diversity uh, and enable women and, and minorities to have board positions. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, in terms of the that progressive aspect to the company, I fully intend on um, going down that road with Heatherdale. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, keeping control of the narrative, never stop exploring. You never stop exploring for really game-changing targets. You know, once you get into a development stage, like we saw it with IDM Mining, and every time we all think we're going to be different, the Lasan curve is the real thing. And, you know, it, it uh, uh, once you start to get on that upside, like getting close to production, and this is most times, like, you know what, uh, now it's a bit of an interesting time. You see, you know, developers or those that are going into construction um, really starting to appreciate, like, pure gold mining, and Monero Alamos, uh, Mako mining, you know, some of these smaller producers that, you know, often they, you know, in normal times, they could still be in the depths of that Lasan curve right now until they're actually producing gold. So times can change, but, um, you know, we do have uh, intentions to, like our, our vision is to get a, a sh- shovel-ready project or projects out here. It's mm-hmm. always keep um, exploring to try and find something new that will really capture the market. And um, uh, if you just, stick with say a development story that's boring to so many retail investors institutional and value investors may get it but you know you you really want to keep a continuous momentum to build shareholder value and keeping uh keeping drills churning and keeping exploring is such a big part of that after after idm was uh acquired by ascot uh, you stayed on as an advisor and consultant you still or somewhat in that position. Uh, it sounds like a big, you know, they, they just closed a big financing. So I think it was 25 million bucks, yeah. um, which is great for the project. I mean, Ascot, Ascot is a sponsor of Mining Stock Daily. Um, I will get that out of the way. But I'm just kind of curious. I mean, like, you know, knowing that you've stepped away a little bit, kind of stepped a half step back from that from that project with, with IDM, but you're still somewhat involved. I mean, you just mentioned like, that Lusant curve. Where Where's Ascot now? In this curve. Oh, so, um, and, uh, you know, uh, Ascot will be coming out with some uh, news in terms of exploration targeting. Um, You know, they're, uh, um, honestly, they could be in it right now. And that's why you see that the share price has been, uh, honestly, pretty flat over despite the resurgence in the gold price. So that's where, you know, Ascot does get it. That's why uh, you're going to see some exploration drillings, some new targets that are going to be. But, um, you know, they need to get their Mines Act permits uh, in place. Uh, they have cash in place to start looking at, you know, some long lead time items. And, you know, part of it is really, you know, trying to keep some investor interest and institutional investor interest. Um, you know, it's not uh, any development stage company isn't like as exciting as Great Bear where they're pulling off hot holes every other week. Um, <laughs> every other day. <laughs> but then, you know, one of the examples is you look at, you know, look at where pure gold is at now. They've, you know, uh, they've incredibly appreciated recently. So it's, uh, uh, you know, you want to try to time those, especially if you're larger institutional 
investors that are looking to write, you know, meaningful checks to make real serious money. Not, you know, retail investors like you or me might be, you know, sometimes we like punts better. But, um, you know, I want to mine in Stewart, my hometown, so, so bad. And uh, it's going to be awesome to see, you know, the four deposits that are within the portfolio um, that uh, developed in the, in the years to come. And I'm always here to help out in whatever way I can. So when you're kind of at that, that first top of the Lausanne curve, when you kind of get into development, does, does management have to kind of go into a, almost a, you know, fight mode to maintain that? I mean, do they have to go, do you do that through exploration and more community involvement or, or what is What is the strategy there? If do you go to battle? Uh, oh, geez. So, you know, and it, it depends on so much, it depends on what your share structure is. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, here, here's, um, like, look at Westone, you know, Westone and great, you know, operating mines, good cash flow, but it's where they're going to go with their uh, exploration slash development or development property. You know, there, that's mm-hmm. why people are buying that stock. So they've been able to have that balance between, you know, uh, and, you know, of course, they're not in development stage, they're a producer. But their big future value is in terms of the economics of, of that development stage project. They've been able to keep that balance uh, really, uh, really effectively. Um, uh, you look at Monero Alamos and, you know, the stellar job Doug Ramsha does in terms of marketing that story. That's where they've been really, they, you know, you're, you never um, go a day without seeing an interview with Doug somewhere. Like, and 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 with uh, and and being positive, you know. So their strategy, um, and you know, doing some exploration, talking about some other stuff as well, but uh, really effective marketing. So there's many different ways to keep that momentum going when you see that looming Lasan curve. Um, you know, my cousin with Sabina. Um, you know, it's one you have to. You, it's the 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 opposite type of. Uh, of, um, of challenges that you, you know, particularly large institutional investors will be like, well, they're going to be, have to do a big dilutive raise to, to, to raise us, uh, to enough money to, to, to build the project. Well, you need to convey that you're only going to finance when it's accretive, that you're not going to be overly diluted. So, so many different ways to, to deal with it, but, you're absolutely right that management has to roll up their sleeves and have uh, a strategy that's not simply, well, we're going to be different this time. So one of, of course, the big lessons learned from, uh, from, from IBM. And, of course, the one that's out of your control is timing. You know, you got a gold market or you're not in a gold market. Um, that's something you can't control. I, I I want to be cognizant of time, but there there's two other topics I want to make sure you and I have the opportunity to discuss. And you briefly mentioned on one of them uh, minutes ago when you kind of talked about the uh, management being aligned with shareholders and how having multiple hats can maybe dilute that a little bit. Um, and I'm right on par with you, Rob, because I like just two examples that I have seen most recently is like, so I did an interview with a, uh, gold, uh, explorer developer out of Nevada. Um, the president is on like six different boards 
plus, you know, his full-time job as president who seems to pay himself pretty hands- handsomely. I mean, and then looking at their board directors, I mean, there's a couple of names that stuck out that also were, I know are on like six different boards. Uh, you know, another, and that's just one example. Another example is, you know, a, a pretty well-named geologist uh, that's got a big project in Australia, but his name keeps popping up on different boards, different boards every now and then. And then it comes to my attention that the same person is now an advisor for an investment group looking to invest into early stage gold projects. So maybe there's a conflict of interest there. So that's new. You know, that's just, it's, it's just like how, when do we say enough is enough? Like we're just like, it's almost incestual, right? Like we've got the same people running, you know, into the, into the same industry. It's like we put a wall or a barrier of new fresh minds coming into some of these positions in the directorship. Well, uh, where actually the, 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 the rubber hits the road is with proxy firm guidelines and, uh, the, 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 I'm talking like ISS or glass Lewis. So, um, you know, every year, uh, they refresh, um, guidelines for, uh, for public companies and, uh, for, for mining or junior mining, uh, if you are the CEO of a PSX uh, big board listed company, um, in addition to your own company, the proxy guidelines are that you can sit on one other board. Um, uh, I believe as a, as a junior mining executive, sitting on other boards is almost imperative because you can see how another, especially like I sit on the Gold Standard Ventures board as an independent director. And it is a very high-functioning, really well-experienced board of directors that that handles matters of governance and comp and, and audit and uh, 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 corporate vision and uh, working with management uh, exceptionally well. And uh, in fact, is a model for me with uh, with uh, with how I structure my own companies. If you're a a, a junior. Uh, uh, TSX Venture uh, CEO, you can sit on, I think it's either five or six other boards. That's a lot. That's a lot. Oh, it is. Now, there are some like uh, you'd see, for example, like the, the Cisco bunch. Um, they, you know, uh, often they'd, they'd really have to hustle to get the proxy votes in. And these are like, uh, like uh, individuals like Sean Rusin has had, you know, billions of dollars of investor value over his life. Um, you know, he's a type of individual that can handle sitting on different boards, despite what the proxy firms say. Uh, I think where you're more directed towards is where, you know, some more junior mining rounder types that are sitting on a, a lithium board, a platinum group board, a rare earth board, three gold boards, uh, you know, a copper board and a graphite board. Right. So um, with those, those are people just trying to. Uh, and hey, I used to be like that. Is uh, you know you just try to uh, uh, better your odds by sitting on lots of different boards and signing things once a quarter. You know I don't mm-hmm. do that anymore. The other board I, I joined recently and it's actually support a lot of my my uh, investor and, and and corporate team and continued work in in uh, what's a really exciting area is uh, uh, Dolly Varden uh, Silver Company working in uh, in uh, in the Golden Triangle and. Uh, uh, supporting the CEO there, uh, Sean Kuhn-Kuhn, and a really good board of directors with an excellent property uh, within the traditional territory of uh, uh, my friends with the Gitsan uh, Nation. 
or sorry, mm-hmm. advocates on in, in the Nishka Nation. And um, uh, that's all I can handle. So, you know, if you're an independent director, um, you should be prepared to commit at least to 200 hours um, uh, per year uh, in terms of governance. So, um, uh, sitting on a couple boards is great. In fact, it's, it, it's helpful as a, as a CEO, but mm-hmm. all of this other stuff. And, you know, I advise, like I give so much free advice or else I do, you know, some contracting advice, including still to Ascot, but, um, I think I've built out three hours in the past three months. <laughs> well, please don't. I was still like running their Twitter account. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make sure to send you the invoice for this time. How about that? No, <laughs> just kidding. I appreciate you, you giving us this time here, Rob. Uh, this whole discussion, what we're just talking about kind of leads into, um, another big discussion in, in really this, the, um, the whole movement that's uh, out of the United States and now is spreading globally in, in Black Lives Matter. I mean, this really has brought to the attention of me of like, how can the mining industry narrow the op- opportunity gap, not only for just African Americans or uh, African Canadians at that, uh, or, you know, minorities in general. Um, and, uh, you know, a friend of ours, uh, Cooper Quinn, and I know I've said this a couple times on the podcast in the last few weeks said something just profound to me because I agree with him. He said, you know, at one time in my life, somebody gave me an opportunity I was not qualified for, but that set everything in motion. Do we really need, with these directorships, is there an opportunity to provide, you know, to, to, to narrow that opportunity gap and provide people opportunity within this industry that maybe they hadn't had before or are we structurally in a place where well they have to have experience in either capital markets or geology or you know mine engineering or development i mean how do we do that uh if we want to really uh break through just smash the ceiling that many um cultural groups um uh ethnicities uh have have had to face is we do have to give those opportunities even when there might be somebody else that has a better name brand recognition or more experience and it's not just directorships it's at all levels like um you know in in uh in bc where we're there there really is an effort with many companies to engage and consult and provide opportunity for uh, for Indigenous people, for example, and I, you know, I'm never going to say that it's not coming from the right place, but it's like not all, you know, uh, First Nations people in in, in BC want to be truck drivers at the mine, right? You know, there's mm-hmm. there's greater ambitions there, and like you know, I asked a friend of mine who's with a uh, at the time is with, uh, you know, a, a major Vancouver based mining company. And, you know, they had won awards for their indigenous engagement and stuff. I said, how many first nations people work in your head office out of, there's gotta be hundreds and there were zero. Hmm. And, you know, it, I was like, well, what can I do aside from bitch about it and say that ain't right is, you know, a friend of mine, uh, a guy named Stephen Bolton, um, I said, you're coming in and working in the office. 
you know, um, he had rudimentary computer skills. Were there others more qualified? Absolutely. But give them the chance. And that's what we need to do more of. Give, build people up, put them in those positions, and support them. I recently committed, um, and this is, I think you saw, uh, you were discussing this bef before uh, the podcast here on, on Twitter, um, about a, f a friend of mine uh, who uh, passed away almost a decade ago, uh, Dr. Ricardo Presnell, uh, who was a uh, 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 black uh, geologist um, and uh, from the States, and which is, you know, pretty rare for us to see in our exploration circles. Tremendous individual, one of the, the, the best in the world, the senior geologist for Rio Tinto globally for copper. And uh, my colleagues and I with Underworld Resources and Full Matter Minerals, we were so uh, blessed that he actually approached us to, to come and work with us because he loved what we were doing. Um, he, he was killed doing what he loved, uh, downhill skiing, was killed in an avalanche. Um, but an example where he came from Boston, you know, hmm. and ended up in mining and, and mineral exploration. His dad was a professor at Harvard with Timothy Leary, um, and they were doing the early research into uh, LSD drugs before Timothy Leary went on. And you know, just just what an example of, you know, to me, that's, that is the American dream and what you can accomplish. If you follow on Twitter, like, there's lots of black people that work in geosciences. Um, we need to give them the opportunity to get into mining. And the, the, the way to do that is to recruit them and put them in the, these type of positions. It's such a network type, you know, as Cooper says, somebody gives you the chance, you know, um, uh, uh, a friend of mine is, he's now, he's, um, uh, vice president of exploration for, um, uh, oh geez, what's the name of it? K2, um, Jody Gibson. Um, I recruited him off MySpace in like 2007. <laughs> MySpace. All the millennials are going, what the hell is that? I know. It's, but it was like it needed some junior geologists with half a brain. So I was like, hey, anybody want to come up and work in Alaska? And uh, uh, Natalie King still does consulting work. She was, she was another that uh, recruited. And so, you know, we, I think that's what we all have to collectively do. And, and you know, like you see many, you know, you see what Mark Turner's like posting daily on his blog, how mining industry is really not doing anything on, on Black Lives Matter, um, you know, we can say things, doing things is, is way more important. So what can I do? Well, you know, try and pull somebody up to go and crash through the bush on Prince Wales Island. You know, I think that's how we can, it's a really complicated um, topic. But, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's all do what we can to promote and give the opportunity to um, diversify the mining industry uh, with many different colors and cultures in the right way. And that's well, mining and mineral exploration is a very complicated industry, but I think this topic maybe isn't as complicated as that when the solution is pretty simple. Yeah, and that's where you know for for um, for all individuals right so it's like you know in, in terms of our 
our, our vision with Heatherdale, getting back to that, it is to be a, a leading ESG company on that side. You know, I've got ambitions for um, Indigenous ownership within the company as shareholders. And, you know, not just, again, being consulting and going through permitting process and offering dump truck driving jobs, you know. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's really helping to be in BC, you know, um, lifting communities out of poverty and the social impacts, um, in, at least in BC, re- dating back to things such as residential schools, where a cycle keeps on continuing and continuing and continuing. We've got to try to do what we can to, uh, to break it. Do you, did you see the news out of um, Pebble Mine yesterday that they are going to do a royalty off that mine into the community with a minimum of $3 million a year? Did you happen to see that news? Uh, no, into, no, I, uh, uh, I did not. Um, okay. And, you know, in, in the case of like that, that's, that's great. Also, it's not necessarily anything that's new or innovative. When, when you sign in, in BC uh, or actually Canada, uh, at least when you sign benefit agreements with, with first nations, there is very often a royalty component. And, um, uh, you know, that's part of, um, uh, and in, in, in BC, uh, actually I think it's all of Canada, um, mineral tra- taxes are shared as a separate negotiation between, um, between, uh, the federal provincial government and the indigenous governments. Uh, and this is on crown law. So, uh, it's, and it's at, it's a way of keeping, um, the, uh, the, the positive economic effects of, of mining, uh, local. I'm, I'm hugely supportive of. You're good. Rob, I've taken up a lot of your time, but I appreciate the time you did give us. Um, well, I'm really great. Uh, Trevor, you're actually my first, uh, Heatherdale interview. So okay. <laughs> I'm really grateful for that. All right. It only gets harder from here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we'll be doing a rebrand. We'll also be doing a, a, a name change and stuff uh, uh, over the over the months ahead. But I uh, uh, hope your listeners um, um, continue to follow the company. And uh, we're on the TSX Venture Exchange under the ticker HTR. All right. Rob, you're one of the good guys. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Yeah, and you're a good guy too, Trevor. All right. Thank All you right. so much. Okay. Yeah, it's Rob McLeod of Heatherdale Resources. That's, well, for now known as Heatherdale Resources. We'll be back again Monday morning with the news. Have yourselves a great weekend. Thanks for listening.